Welcome to the BJJ Camps podcast. Uh, I've got a little bit, well, something a little bit different for you today, um, as I am calling Jack McGee. Jack is a black belt from Chichester. Um, he's got Mad Hat as Asylum down there, and he is a fantastic coach, I have to say. Really, really good. Um, we're going to talk about, recently he's sort of burnt his hands in his job as a firefighter, so we talk plenty about that, about healing a little bit about dealing with sort of mental health and uh, positivity around that. Um, not always what you expect from us as, as we tend to, well, take the piss of everything. Uh, and then we talk a lot of jiu-jitsu. Jack went to Brazil. He gives us a very, very brief insight into that and uh, how it's, well, how intimidating it was is the way it comes across. It was almost like something from a film. So you've got plenty of good stuff to listen to. Um, hopefully you'll enjoy this one. And the next podcast we have out will be a brief chat with Gordo prior to his camp on July the 16th and 17th. Enjoy. Hello, Mr. Jack McGee. Hello, you are. Right? I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, good. All good. Most important. Most importantly, thing. for everybody to know, how are your hands? Good, mate. Yeah, they're good. Um, better than they've been. Um, fill yeah, it, so, uh, fill, so, for people that don't that don't know who you are, fill us in. How did that all happen? So, um, so yeah. If you, so, for people that don't know, so I I'm, I run Mad Hatters Academy down in West Sussex. And um, my other job is a fireman. Um, never really cared to be a fireman at all. Just just lived near a fire station when I moved to Chichester. Didn't know many people, so I joined up. Um, and they said, you're good for the job. So I was like, right. And then they just kept pushing me to join whole time. So I just went for the whole time and got in and then started working in Worthing, um, which is just down the road. So that's how I got started being a fireman. Um, worked in the fire service for coming up six years. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been good. I'm on one of the busiest stations in West Sussex. So we get a lot of shouts. Um, and I've started doing the West Sussex Brazilian Jiu Jitsu team as well. For the fire service. And then, yeah, that's it. Yeah. In the oh, fire nice. service. So when I joined the fire service, I, um, I got invited to a army and emergency services comp and that and I, I just i just competed and one of my one of the guys that i train on my watch alf he competed as well um funny backstory to that actually uh, i'll just i'll just go off on a little tangent here that's all right so, um so when i was in training school um i tried to keep what I, with the fighting and stuff i didn't want to tell people that i fight and you know and anything like that so i always kept it a bit quiet but some of the lads knew because they asked me and you know you get chatting to them and anyway so we had a, a training session it was a kettlebell session and the pt guy ian he brought in this guy called alf and he said right you lot you better listen because alf over here is a cage fighter and if you don't he'll beat you up and crush you <laughs> and i was like ah oh, that's debatable I just couldn't keep my mouth shut. I was like, that's debatable. <laughs> and he went, what do you mean? I went, I don't think he'll be doing that, mate. And then I was like, because you you know, you're 
you're just coming into the job so you don't want to be rude but also i thought i won't i won't be getting crushed by anyone thanks and uh <laughs> and in this outfit he said he said to me i look around i just see your cauliflower ears and thought shit <laughs> and alf's a white belt and he's had a couple of amateur mma fights he's absolutely brilliant he's awesome such a nice guy but he was like he said as soon as he said it i just went shit and then this ian went what do you do and i said i've you know i've done done quite a few years of jiu-jitsu and had a few mma fights done a bit of boxing muay thai and alf went yeah there's no chance i'm going to be doing that to him <laughs> and anyway when i got on the watch that he put me on just so happened they put us on watch together so we just got to train together all the time it was brilliant and uh yeah that was quite that was that was um that was my start into so i took alf on this comp and i said come and do this comp he said i don't like him i said you start doing comps you'll get promoted because he'd been a white belt for like five years <clears throat> so we went and done this comp um you know both won um i won all my fights fairly quick all by submission um and yeah, so then I thought, you know what, I should just start doing a West Sussex jiu-jitsu and start actually like spreading the jiu-jitsu within the fire station. And yeah, so got got me in, got me meeting loads of people in the fire station, and <clears throat> and um and then this incident with my hands. So how that come about? When you work, you work with other shifts sometimes. So so say if someone in the west of the county needs extra firefighters, they'll send you over there. So on the day they said, oh, who wants to go over to Chichester? And I was like, well, that's where I live. So throw me down there. So I, I just went over there. And uh, you're working with a crew that you don't normally know. Um, I can't I can't give the ins and outs of too much, but I'll give a briefing because it's under investigation. So I know nah. as much as the jiu-jitsu community are all good lads, I know some busy fuckers around that would like to, you know, stick their nose in. Oh, there's plenty and, of um, around. Yeah, so um, so what I'll just keep it brief. Um, turn up at an incident. Um, not saying it's this incident, but there was an incident that I turned up at one day and um, <laughs> turned up and, and the, the guy said, "Oh, we need to get some water down there." So I run down there, got some water down there, and uh, and we were outside and there was this big hopper where it collects all the wood that's cut and uh, it's all like sawdust and plastic. And they said to me, um. They said, oh, we need that open and we need water in there. I was like, all right. And, and on jobs, looking back, you, you could question it and say, you know, why did we open it? But on a job, you tend just to go, right, let's let's do it. You know, they've always, your, your boss has done a, a look around and stuff. So I'm opening this thing and my mate's got the water. And I said, look, I'm going to whip my gloves off because I can't undo the last thing. I said, just check with a tick, like thermal imaging camera, make sure it's not hot. And he went, all right. So he checked it over. We're outside, there's a lot of area. And I said, he said, no, it's not hot. I went, all right. So I just whip my gloves off, stick them on my tunic and um, start undoing it. And as I undone the last one, it was, I was like pushing it, undone it. And then I just see this cloud of dust and I was like, fuck, I can't really see where I am. And the next thing, the dust turned to like orange and fucking hot. <laughs> so, so I was like, shit. And, I, and I, what I thought was, I'll go through my thought. Um, I thought, this this is going to explode and then go, and then I'll be able to see a way out. So I'll just ride it out. And um, But what actually happened was, I thought it was a dust explosion, but it was a backdraft. So 
the fire had gone out the i opened the hatch the oxen got drawn in and then as it combusts the gases have to go somewhere well it's an airtight container and i've opened the only bit of air in in my face so then that blows me back like a bunsen burner and i end up in a really confined space so i'm like right up ride it out ride it out and then i thought this ain't going then i'm fucking my hands just start burning because didn't have my gloves on and i was like fuck fuck like screaming like someone get me out help help and i ran one way and i'm like bing hit a wall and like i knew it was a hard wall you know because everywhere around me is metal so i ran the other way bing hit a wall and i was like shit so then i just dropped to the ground and um dropped down really low and start crawling around and i'm like Fucking my I got my set on and everything and and I couldn't get out and I was like help someone help and I and no one's no one's replying and nothing and uh, I don't know what's gone on with them and then so I I see a little bit of a hedge so I knew the hedge was outside so I, I crawl under and at this I'm crawling but my hands are still burning it's all flames everywhere and I crawled under and my BA set got stuck like on the top yeah, yeah, yeah so i lay on my side i'm like fucking giving it the shrimps to get out of shrimping myself out <laughs> and uh yeah i was like all them years the gracie bar doing three thousand shrimps and fuck it. i said it saved my life it's finally paid <laughs> off yeah finally yeah yeah thanks carlinios um but yeah so uh so i get myself out stand up and look around and there's no one there and i thought fuck like this is must have blown people to pieces because i'm i'm in a bad way so i ran and i went to run through the because i see everyone on the other side of this workshop because it was a you could see all the way through and i ran i was like shit i think i'm on fire i couldn't tell but my my neck's hot and everything's warm so i didn't want to run through a factory so i ran around the factory to get to the front and as i got there everyone's like what's the matter with you I'm like fucking hands are burnt and uh, there was just like all the skin was ripped off and like blistering as I was speaking, and there was just no communication. So I'm I'm saying there's another guy, my BA partner, my BA partner. Where and they say he's over there. He's just having a drink of water. Basically, everyone just it was a big explosion. Everyone, everyone was like shit. Couldn't get me out. Apparently, couldn't see where I was to get me out. And um, and then I and then they just got themselves out but there was no talk of where I was. So I come out and I was like, felt like they left me for dead really. But um, got out, got my hands in some cold water. And then after that, that was the least for, for the next month. That was the least painful thing that happened to me. I'd say the actual <laughs> burning of your hands. Burning my hands. Because after that, it was the debridement where they take off all your skin. Oh, yeah. And then a, um, it's like a pineapple enzyme that they put on your hands and it's it's quite clever it it dilutes your any dead skin right but in doing so it, it hurts the other skin quite a bit um so sorry that was quite that was quite sore then they they put um if i'm going too far just tell me and i'll stop and explain anything but i'll just no, I'll no, it's interesting because it, we yeah. we've sort of discussed it briefly, but never in a, in any actual detail. So it's quite nice to hear. Yeah. Um, so then, so then they take all the skin to the rawest bit, and I've got you know I've got pictures. I'll send them you, and you can use them if you want to put 
flash images up and scare scare people. Um, so this first thing they use an allograph, which is a donated skin from anyone. So they just donate their skin, and that goes over your skin and works as a bandage to encourage growth of your skin, depending on the thickness. Um, so I they put me under um, to debride on my hands. They numb my hands. I wake up. And then they start laying skin on. And it's a little bit, a few different tones. The skin's wet. It's kept wet. Yeah, because wasn't and, there, um, I, I've seen the pictures that you've sent. Surely they were they were from all different races, ethnicities yeah. and all sorts. It was... Uh... Yeah, I could have ticked the box on every ethnicity. I had, I, I would say I had Asian, I had black, and I had a pink finger, and I had yellow fingers. So, you know... I could have, um, yeah, it could have ticked a lot of boxes there. But then what happened was the thickness underneath was so, the, the burns were so thick underneath, it didn't do anything. Right. So then, as that, you know, that should have, because I said, I, when I looked at it, I said, is this a fucking joke? I said, like, I, I'm getting married in August. You're going to look like Frankenstein. Given, <laughs> I've got hands, like, a, you know, them, you know, them blankets that people used to have, like a, have dashery hotspots like different colours. I thought I, I just can't do it. And anyway, they said that's not that's not forever. That'll wear off. So anyway, they wore off, and it, and underneath was just blood. So so they said, look, we're going to keep bandage them, and we they use a gauze to keep it to keep it wet. And this went on for fucking three weeks, just soaking wet for blood hands, and they just bled and bled and bled, and. Uh, and it was gross. So, you know, my hands were just red and they hurt all the time. And and then next thing they said, right, we're going to, that's not working. So we're going to skin graft off your own skin and that'll be your permanent skin. You have to be careful with these because you want to keep these on. So, okay. And this is just before where my stag do was meant to be because I'm getting married in August. Um, so, so I was like, right. Uh, they said, you, you know, you can't all my all my mates go jack will cancel the stag and i'm like i've been looking forward to this stag do since i went in hospital thinking I'd, i need to have a blowout yeah so i said nah we're, we're doing the stag whatever doing the stag so they put me under again and they they carve off um one two three three bits about that wide and about that long off my thigh and then they sew that onto your hands um so that and then and then initially it looks horrible, but from what it, where it's been to what it is now, it looks really good. The problem, the reason they don't like doing that is because skin tightens. Yeah. You know, so anytime skin's cut, it tightens. Anytime skin's cut and put somewhere else, its natural reaction is the elasticity pulls it down. So that's why you have to do so much physio. So in the morning, I bend my hands like that much. And I'm like, ah. And, and it's and the skin feel... restricting it. Yeah, you can feel it pulling on the nails. And like all my nail beds are pulled back. And you have to really bend down. As I'm doing this a little while ago, a couple of weeks ago, I'm bending it and I'm bending it. And I'm fucking right. And I'm, and I'm half asleep, you know, because I just wake up. And I don't really want to look at my hands first thing. It's, you know, it's kind of like, it's just not. I like to get up and just, just get get my head round like I'm going to take my gloves off and look at these fucking mental old hands, right? So I'm doing this bending and bending and bending and then I go, oh, that feels easy. So I thought, oh, maybe like I've I've overcome something. Look down and my hands are just covered in blood. Oh, <laughs> like, I've got it. these gloves on. And 
well, a bit of it hadn't taken. So what happens as it as it hasn't taken, the skin starts to rot, but then you can't see it; just looks a bit darker, and then all of a sudden, just go ding, and bleeds everywhere. So then they take me back in, and they say, "Oh, you might have to have another skin graft." But so I've just been trying to repair it as best I can and bend it and stuff, and and it's repaired luckily. So I don't think I'll be having another one. Touch, touch wood. And that's where it was, um, is it? So around your knuckle, where it just kind of went. Yeah, just on the knuckle there. Um, so just there. So as it bent, it just it went bing. So then I'm, I'm going, I went in and I said, I haven't moved my finger, you know, I want the skin to heal. And the doctor was like, mate, he said, I can throw as much skin as you need on your hands. But what I can't do is get your fingers bending. So he said, bend it, rip it, keep ripping it. He said, you can rip your hands to pieces by stretching them. Going back, the doctor told you to keep bending it and ripping it because the movement yeah, is essentially could. more important than the yeah. skin. He said, like, skin will just, they can throw skin on it as much as you want. But but the problem is, like, you get you get so long of not moving them to their fullest potential, you get weak and, like, and things don't start working and you can't get your full grip. And it's just, it's just a strange process to how the, how the hand works. And they haven't really told me whether there's any damage um, to the ligaments. Because there's yeah. things I can't do, like I can't do a I can't do a press up, um, and, and that's not a problem because I don't really care for doing press ups. But it is a problem in jujitsu, like standing up. So I've just just sort of like I've just can weight bear on my hand now on the ground. Um, the problem is I've also got, if you look, I've got boxing fractures to my hand here. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so that, the, that like the base of your wrist. Yeah, just well, just there. So my wrist is there, and then that goes up there. So that adds to the to the um, lack of mobility. But I mean, I've worked before. I've worked for it before, and um, yeah. So that so now I've just have to wear compression gloves, which are these. Yeah. And um, and then I have to I just take them off, moisturize, bend my hands, and yeah, and it's a slow process, but it's it's, it's progress. I, to to yeah. be fair, I'm sort of I I'm sitting watching it, watching it, just just fascinated by the actual way, that, well, essentially everything you've got to do to get it to heal. Yeah, I'd be interested lot... to see what it's like in six twelve months time. Well, when I went to the doctors last, like the back in, to the I, I'm actually at the Burns unit in East Grinstead, yeah. um, and East Grinstead the funny funny thing about them is it's a, it's a hospital uh east grinstead's got loads of history which i never knew about but the navy not the navy who's the flyers RAF. RAF. so they they um they they suffered a lot of burns in it back in the war and they used to use them as guinea pigs to how they would treat burns mm. so there's a lot of people from the RAF which were the guinea pigs and there was a pub down the road called the Guinea Pigs. And it's where the people that were getting their burns treatment used to be able to go and drink. They'd all drink there together. <laughs> and the fucking hospital hasn't changed. It's like, it's still old as shit. But like, they like know walking stuff. back in time? It's, it's, it's a single story hospital. Imagine right. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, hospitals now, they're like, you know, they're bigger than cathedrals. And, <clears throat> and it's just crazy. You go in there and like, it's just they've done it for so long and they know what they're doing and and you know you 
I, I do a few extra bits to, to get the healing going quicker because I'm impatient. And, and as, as with anyone who, who cares about doing stuff and being able to move, but um, the doc, you know, some of the doctors, they, they're stuck in their ways with, with what they can offer. But yeah, I think yeah. a lot of it as, as well is, especially for, especially for people like us that have been doing jujitsu for God knows how long, when you're not doing it, your head goes out your well, your head goes up your ass. Yeah. And yeah, we'll say when your hands are fucked. What? Could you, yeah, exactly. There's well, not much you can with do. With the hands, the hands you can't do a lot. And my leg, I had like um, I've got like four. Oh, your skin grafts on your legs. Yeah, so like that was like sore, and you don't want to get infected and stuff. But like, yeah, you can't. You can't do jujitsu, which I've done since I was 17, and I haven't just done it like a, a bit of a hobby. I didn't really, I never really had anything else that I used to like doing. So, you know, in the, and then you get known for doing jujitsu, and then you become the guy who just does jujitsu, and you, and and that's all you do. And then, you know, I've had a few injuries, taken a couple of weeks off the mats, but the thought of taking like a year off or anything over that you just like you have to get your head around it and you know people go oh, you can do other things you spend time with your family and they're usually people that don't understand or don't don't have that that want to to just wrestle and just grapple and just mm. you know just get on the mat and just grab someone and throw them and and have them throw you and just be involved in that moment where your mind's not thinking about your healing or your bills or your fucking family or you you know it's just you're just in the moment and and when you lose that after having it so long it's you know it, it, it does fuck with you and you have to find other avenues to to sort of get that and you know i go i, I, I love nature i've got like some people that know me know but i've got this fucking hard on for just fucking outdoors i love it i, I love it so much that my missus all my missus there's three things she'll say and she'll say either we need to have sex, you need to go training, or you need to go and camp outdoors. And if I'm doing them three, but as soon as I lose some of them, my mood just changes. And not in the way I'm not, you know, I'm not an arsehole. I don't, I don't, I'm not like violent, but I just, I become a, I become a nuisance. I'm like, a, I just wind her up. That's exactly I just, what I do. I just become a wind up merchant. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you know, you, you, some people become violent. Some people become upset. I'm just a little prick. I'm just a little wind up, and I'll and I wind her up, and and I know I'm doing it, and I hate it, but like I know I'm doing it, and she knows when I'm doing it. So now we know. She'll just go. You need to go and do one of the three, and I'll go. I need to stop being a prick because like, you know, you're winding someone up, and it's like it's just it's just a, a, a shit thing to do. But I mean, it's not the worst thing to do. No, but I mean. <laughs> Yeah, or, you know, you can say you winded, but a lot of it will just come out as just fucking, just you're just dicking about, you're just messing about. Yeah, I do. I yeah. do it with my wife when I think she come to me once, really stressed out about summer, and I was in that mood where I was just, I was just winding her up. She was really anxious about summer. I stood her on the spot, and I'm like, right, relax, have a deep breath, made her have a deep breath, and then I just started spinning her in a circle. She just stood on the spot. I'm spinning her in a circle. She's like, "What are you doing, Matt? I don't know. I just thought I'd see if it made a difference." 
<laughs> and that's now that's now a running joke. If she ever gets too stressed, I said just start spinning her in a circle, and then I get punched <laughs> and told to fuck off and and go train. Usually, <laughs> yeah. If anything, it just makes light of it. My yeah, my, exactly. Um, she used to come back from work quite stressed. She works like a stressful job, and um, I remember saying to I do a lot of breathing exercises and stuff like that, and I'm quite quite big on it. And um, and I said to her, come on, let's just come in from work and just do just do a breathing exercise with me and then she done it she was so emotional and, and it just released all this stress and it's like it's for me it's one of the biggest stress relievers you can do just just get focus on your breath work and, and breathe into the right parts but yeah that that was that's was something we always do that's for giving them things to do when they're stressed out <laughs> yeah but you've done yeah i i can't have much time off jiu-jitsu because I just I've become a massive pain in the ass but you've been doing it a hell of yeah. a lot longer than me and you immersed yourself in it because you when did you go out to Brazil I went out to Brazil when I was 18 17 or 18 with my older brother and I was a white belt and I went out there I I just went well basically I was um at the time I was living in Kent and it was like a it, it weren't a lot to do and I was just causing mayhem. I, you know, it's a small town. <clears throat> I was a bit of a scrapper. I got in with a, I didn't get in with the wrong crowd because there's, you know, there's worse crowds you can get into. But it was just a, a crowd of naughty kids, and we used to nick cars, used to like rob hotels, and we used to just, you know, earn our money in ways that other other people wouldn't know how to earn money, and you earned quick money, and it went quick. <laughs> And my older brother saved up and he said, I want to go to Brazil. I want to train with the Gracies. And he had been to Australia and he'd learned jiu-jitsu and he'd brung it back and told me about it. And I was like, when he showed me jiu-jitsu, I said, fuck, that is the gayest thing I've ever seen. Like him and my little brother rolling around on the floor. I was just thinking, what, what's going on? You know, and I'd done a bit of boxing, so I didn't, I didn't really want to be doing that. And then my little brother armbarred me. And I, I used to headlock them and they couldn't get out of it. And they learned how to get out of it and they armbarred me. And then they started beating me up. And I thought, right, I'll do this. And I got good at it quick because I'd done gymnastics, ballet and all this other stuff when I was younger. So then I was like, if he's going to Brazil and he's going to get much better than me, I'm fucking going to Brazil. So at the time I had a little earner and I got three grand richer. So I thought, well, there's my money for going to Brazil. My brother had been saving up for this for a while, and I just said, "Right, well, I'm coming with you." <laughs> so <laughs> we must have just been like, "You fucking twat!" And then so I done that, and we both went to Brazil. And obviously, as as you know, but I was a bit of a boy back then, and and I'm like, "Yeah, Brazil!" My God, I turned up to Brazil, and I was like, "Fuck!" And it was like head down under your pockets. Yeah, I was just like, "Shit!" I'm like white as white as hell. Ben Popper will tell you white as anything, bald head. And I, I thought I was the hardest lad ever. And then you just go around and you're like, shit, there's like, you know, there's favelas, there's all this crime, there's people with guns, the police have got big guns. And and there's, you know, there's beaches that you've never seen before. There's women on the beaches with bodies that look like been created by a pervert. They're like, you know, just, you know, you just can't can't believe it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like 18. You know, I've only had one girlfriend or a couple of girlfriends by then. 
and they didn't look anything like that. And I was just like, <laughs> fucking hell. And then you go and eat food in these restaurants and there's like, they're bringing barbecued food for you. And then you go to, we went to this BiFit gym and we stroll up the stairs and the girl on the counter was like, I'll take you up. And we're like, yep. <laughs> takes us up and you go you, on the on the ground level it's all nice it's cafes and and there's swimming pools i think and then there's a dance studio with all the girls doing the dancing and we're like oh fuck it i'll just stay here we're, you know we're thinking we're thinking we're going to be training some rough place and um, as we're going for and then we go there's a gym and i think at the time there was a guy called jefferson who trained there and he was like stacked you know like and he was in the gym doing pt and then we're like all right, and he's like, yeah, jiu-jitsu's up there. And we're going up, and we're like, this is the best we've ever trained. This is going to be, like, some amazing place. And then you walk up, and this heat hits you, and this smell hits you, and it's the worst smell you've ever smelt. Like, imagine, like, a sweaty boxing glove, sweaty bollocks, and an old gi. And you walk up, and it's just like, all you hear is like, oh, God, and we're like, what the fuck is this? And you go around the corner and there's these fucking gorillas. Like they look like fucking gorillas and they're just like stacked guys, you know, juiced out their eyeballs, grappling and throwing each other. And, and we're like, I thought jujitsu was all about the small guy and this and that. And they're just, you know, and there's a few small guys there as well, but it just looks so full of testosterone. And, and at first I was like, so then we go in and we, we both sit down and we're looking at each other. And usually in England, you'd go to a jiu-jitsu club and they'd be like, hello, blah, blah, how are you doing? No one spoke to us. And even the foreigners didn't speak to us because they didn't want to be chatting to the foreigners. They were trying to, they were, you know, if you're, if you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're training there at the time, you're like, you fitted in. So you're in the in crowd and you don't want to be like dipping out and, and chatting. So, so we're like looking around and we could see there were, English people there, they just weren't even looking at us, or English, I say English, like there were people that spoke English there. And um, yeah, and I think the person that they, they said, we tried chatting to him and they got Dennis Ash over, and we ended up chatting to Dennis. But yeah, like I got into jiu-jitsu back then. And when I come back, I, was do, I wanted to do MMA. So I started teaching jiu-jitsu at a club in Brighton called ZT Fight School. And I never stopped from then. I was either fighting MMA, I was traveling, training and teaching, or I was fighting up until now. And even now, I'm still teaching every night. But um, yeah, it's, and then when I'd done this, and I, I said to them, how long before I can do anything? And they're like, well, the process is two years. Ooh. So I said, well, how long before I can grab something? And they said, well, it, we don't know. I was like, so that, yeah, that was like a kick in the bollocks. And I remember it was quite emotional. It was like the the whole thing. I don't really like to talk about mental health because I think it's fucking spoken about far too much. And if I'm honest and, I, you know, people might agree or disagree, I think it spreads. And I think it, and I think it spreads, spreads weakness. I'm not saying if you've got mental health problems, you're weak. I'm saying you can you can you can plant the seed in people yeah and then, and people people can use it as an easy way out to say i've got mental health problems as a i'm i'm disabled yeah 
And, and there's, for me, there's a disability. There's not wrong with using the disabled card. <laughs> for me, a disabled, something disabled is, is something that's either getting worse or never going to get better. Yeah. With your mental health, I believe you can get better. And, and you just need to know what to do. And, and I've, you know, I've, from this, I've had, I've had flashbacks, I've had bad dreams, I've had, you know, I've been diagnosed with uh, PTSD and I've got trauma counselling and I've got, you know, I've got all these things. And, and to be honest, a lot of the time they just say to me, you, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. And, and my last counsellor, I just told him I didn't want to see him anymore because I felt like what he'd done is he just, he just picked a scab, picked a scab yeah. and then left me. And then just, he was like, right, bye. That's your hour. Bye. And I'm like, like you just dug up all this shit and then now I'm on my own to think about it. Yeah. And and I and I think when you when you start acting a certain way, you become that way. So you know yeah. you start act, people go, It's traumatic, you're gonna go through this, you're gonna go through this, and you start going through it. And I've I've tried to throw myself back in quick. And I have been knocked back a few times, you know, and that can that can throw you, you know, it can make you, you, you give up on, on trying to make yourself better. But I think when you give up and you succumb to saying, right, I've got a mental health problem. I've got, I've got depression. I've, I think you, they're, they're all end of that's like, yeah, you've got depression and we're quick to label people and, and leave that as it. And you, you could, you could say, you you could say to be one well, disabled, but you're not really, you know, you, because you're, you're doing what you want to do and it's harder for you, but you're doing it. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And yeah, you're fucking yeah. doing it better than a lot of people. And there's a lot of people with less disabilities than you that are doing it a hell of a lot worse. And I think, I think, you know, you, you throw a label at someone and it can hold people down. And I've said it for years, you know, like that you get homeless people that beg and people throw money at them and they think it's doing them a favor and it holds them down. And people say, you're disabled, you'll get all these benefits and help and everything else. And and then it, it can hold people back. What you tend uh, to it... find is that, funnily enough, I was speaking to uh, a woman the other day with cerebral palsy. She's she's never claimed an ounce of benefit or anything. So she's yeah. she's had like a car, she has to have a car altered and all that. Sort of, but she's always paid yeah. for it herself. But because she's always done it and she's always made she's found a way of doing it herself, they won't even give her benefits because she's willing yeah. to work it herself. Now, I've, I've no issue with that. I think uh, I think especially things become, going more to the mental health things, it, it's almost yeah. fashionable at, at the minute. There's a lot of buzzwords. There's a lot. Mm. Everyone's got fucking anxiety. And in fact, the, what I think what people need to understand is the world's chaotic. Yeah. It's it's fucking chaos and you have to be prepared for chaos and you can't you can't prepare a certain way but you just have to make sure you're resilient to stuff and you need to make sure you're you're in a good place. And and people have an exam come up and they got I've got anxiety I can't do it. That's okay, anxiety is normal, that. isn't it? Anxiety is your body preparing. So we are, you know before a fight, before a, a contest, before getting your head kicked in at school, before coming home knowing you're going to get a smack off your dad you walk in and you need a shit and your body's like right let's clear this out because i'm going into combat and then you get a heightened senses so your your heart's like and you're like 
oh, I'm having a panic attack. No, your body's preparing you to get stuff done. Yeah. Mm. I, I can't think straight. Yeah. Because your body's saying, right, stop thinking, stop analyzing, you know, and start just being in the moment and, and dealing with shit as it comes. Yeah. And, and I think people, yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's people suffering and I, fuck, I've seen people suffer and, and I've seen people in a really shit way. But I think the echoes of society of saying, it's okay, you've got mental health. It's okay not to be okay. No, it's not fucking okay to be not okay. It's fucking, it's diabolical to be not okay. Yeah. It's the worst thing ever. It's okay to be okay. And we're going to get you okay. That's what we should be saying to people. And uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's in my opinion. And uh, and I've, and and I know people have been through a lot worse shit than me. But I think, I think we need to, we need to get people okay again and stop stop catering you know you'll know when people have got a serious mental health issue and they're not the ones telling you they've got serious mental health issues no you know they're, like they're, they're the one they're going you go you're right and they go i'm okay i'm good i'm good and they're laughing and they're telling you they're okay and at the same time they're going home thinking i don't want to fucking do this anymore yeah and they're the ones with the problem you know but they're the ones yeah. that you're not going to that you're probably not going to be able to help. I think a lot of uh, it's difficult because, like I said, it's it has almost become fashionable to to have a diagnosis of some kind. Yeah. Um, I don't particularly think it helps. I spoke I nah. spoke to a I spoke to a therapist a year or so ago for a few months, and in speaking to them, they were like, "Oh well." I'd quite like to, you to go and see a, a psychiatrist and try and get a diagnosis for this. I'm like, what is that going to help me in any way? Well, no. Well, what do I get from it? Nothing. You just, you just know what's how your brain works. It's, like, it's my fucking brain. I know how it works anyway. Like, <laughs> getting know. getting that label isn't going to help me with anything. So nah. I'm I'm good. I don't you know. They can sign you know, they can signpost you and they can say look people with your condition. They can do these things that help. And some of it helps, you know. I've, there's a rapid eye movement thing where you follow a eye movement while you're talking about Yeah, I was about reading stuff. about that the other week. Yeah, so I, they, they're going to try and start me on that just to help with some of it, like you know, because I'm not, I'm not going to, not going to say there isn't things. I, you know, I go in like a confined space, like a, a lift, and I'm like, ah, uh, but I don't want to go in there. Do yeah. not want to go in there. And and I think. Yeah, it does happen. So I do I do want to not have that anymore because I didn't have it before and I feel like I, I deserve to not have it now. But it, it's going to take time and it's not a quick fix. And, and I could I could just write off and say, I have anxiety, but I have claustrophobia. And then for the rest of your life, you've got claustrophobia. You because someone's to, told yeah. you. Yeah, and I think we, we need to go, no, I'm, I've got a problem, I'm going to deal with it and we, we can deal with it and get through it. And um, yeah. Well, that's yeah, it. That's As than... humans, we are the, the the best problem solvers that the planet's ever seen. Yeah. And yet, as soon as you stop trying to solve a problem and just give it a label, I think that, I think it's detrimental in the long run. To and how honest. how can you if you you know with you get the top scientists in the world, you know, even Einstein said, my he's his theories stop science moving on because he labeled them he made theories and he said this is how this works it's ever moving it's growing look at a man now compared to 10 years ago they're different men 
they've got different mentalities. We live in a different society. So uh, it's all good having having ways and things what's, to source. What's that. really interesting is uh, <laughs> I was reading um, a fair few months back, actually, but the blood work of the average male now in comparison to 20 years ago, now your testosterone levels are a lot lower. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what's changed in the past 20 years other than sort of technology, everything being in the yeah. palm of your hand. Again, I, I don't know what's caused it. I haven't got a freaking clue. I'm not, I'm not we a scientist, but I, there's I a think correlation you go, Yeah. You go into a prison and, and you test their testosterone and I bet it's fucking through the roof. And not just because, you know, because they're still, still knocking one out and that's still getting rid of it. But like, it's just being in an environment of of having to have that. If you don't need it, if you're sitting at your desk eating yum-yums and fucking wanking over porn all the time, you don't need that much testosterone. Mm. But if you feel a threat, you know, if, I, if I'm if i out and I feel like there's a bit of danger, my smell's different. You know, I can, I, I start sweating. I'm like, I'd smell it. And it's like, it, it leads something. And if I'm in, a stressful situation like if i stress my body through like a 72 hour fast i feel like like more testosterone i can, I can feel it I'm, I'm less empathetic i'm i'm more about myself i want to train i want to run i want to do shit i want to fuck and and i think through stress comes that so i think in our in our little bubble world of like pink elephants and happy days i don't think we need it i don't think so and, and i think for me i I want to keep it. You know, I like it. I think that's, that's the thing that guys have that we're like, we, we kind of need, but where, where we are now, I think less people need it. And I think that's why it's will be dwindling down. And, mm, yeah. You know, and vegans, fucking vegans. Fucking, <laughs> Just fuck the vegans. They, they drop it. Yeah. <laughs> just throw that in out. There, just, 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 just yeah. in case anybody didn't know, fuck the vegans. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, the only, th- the only argument I've ever got to him is your eyes are on the front of your head. That makes you a predator. Your body creates an enzyme specifically designed to break down meat, and you're claiming that you don't want to eat it. Fine. Mate, I'm not even, not even as smart as that, mate. I say to him, when I eat a vegan, I say, look at a pig, right? Fat fuck, you know. I don't care if it dies. Wouldn't give a fuck anyway, right? Then you go and taste bacon, right? And tell me how that yummy that is, right? So you eat bacon, it's yummy, and then go and look at your vegan shelf where they try and make bacon and they try and make it taste yummy, and you're doing all that stuff. So just to eat the fucking bacon, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Eat, eat the bacon. Eat meat. It tastes nice. It tastes amazing. Otherwise, you wouldn't make vegan stuff that tastes like it. And if there's something natural that tastes that good, that's your body saying you should eat it. So, uh, you know, I know, Sim- I know there's some vegans that. that are out. Yeah, but there's, you know, you got vegans that are in good shape, but they're probably on steroids. So. Probably on steroids as well, yeah. Well, yeah. maybe. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, my, my sort of long and short of it, I just get pissed off when they name things like a vegan sausage roll. It's not a sausage. And it's nah. and it's not even wrapped in pastry; it's wrapped in something else, because there's no egg yeah. in it. Like, just give it a different yeah. name. Yeah, that's it. And make it as namby pamby as you can. Anyway, <laughs> I'll leave the vegans alone for today. Yeah, but uh, they get enough shit. So you you came up to the camp that we've just done with Steve. That's actually yeah. the first one you've because you've been up here a few times. So that's the first camp you've done, isn't it? 
Yeah, because um, so my my daughter lives in Blackpool, so yeah, uh, well, Lytham Saint Anne's, so it's not Blackpool. Um, but she lives there, so I'm up and down there a lot, picking her up and dropping her off, and you know, um, <clears throat> and I wanted to just I wanted to come up, and I'm trying to be getting to them camps, but it's never worked out, and um, and I kind of just needed a bit of a break a little while ago, and I thought. If I'm on it, I'll tell you, one of the things that made me want to come up north a little bit is because down south, people are so nice and so friendly. And the amount of people go, look at your hands. Oh, they look good. Oh, how are you doing? And I just think, get me up north. Get me some real. Get me, some, get me someone to tell me, you fucking spazzy hand cunt. What was you doing in there? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you don't get that down south. You know, you get a few people down south say it, but like, when I said to Ben, he went, you got mong hands? And I went, well, they're what they're moving. He went, thank fuck for that. He said, I couldn't have been dealing with you mong hands. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and you, you show people, they go, fucking hell, that's horrible, mate. That's all. And I just needed, like, people to be around like that and, like, you know, be around loads of people grappling. And I went to Grapple Fest. Um, John was, I was meant to fight on there. I was meant to fight a guy called Chris Short, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. It's yeah. from yeah from the northeast, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So he's like similar age, got family, you know. Does keeps on grappling, he's competed quite a bit. I was looking forward to it, and then um, obviously I couldn't. So Chris went, mate, come down to the show. Then I saw your event was on. Yeah. And then my daughter also needed picking up at the end of the week, so I just thought, well, I can do a swooping trip, and yeah, it was good, man. It was like I, I sort of I was a bit nervous going up there because like I've I've been at home doing you know feeling sorry for myself for a bit and uh yeah it was good to sort of get out and just come up and see you guys and train with um you know pass a bit of noise and sort of see how um Steve Steve does bits and Ben I was yeah it was just good it was just good and what I, I actually enjoyed grapple fest I thought it was good um just to see how people fighting and see how their how the games are changing and you know is yeah. it I think jujitsu is at another one of them pinnacle bits where it's it's just about to change over I think where people are getting so good at footlock defenses people are going for for different moves um, and you kind of knew that was going to happen it was I think it was Owen Flan Owen Flang his name oh yeah yeah. Oh, he was leg locking everyone, but then we leg locked so, his way all the way through the ADCC trials. It just, yeah, same. And he's, heel hook. he's good at it, he's just brilliant. He just does his thing. And even before leg locks, he was good anyway. Yeah, and then he started doing his strength training. And he's, you can start, you know, I follow him on Instagram, and he's. <clears throat> Yeah, and a couple of my guys from my gym go and do one to ones with him just to just to fucking expand their knowledge because he knows a shit ton more than I do about that stuff. And then I was watching him on Grapple Fest and I thought, you know, probably footlock. I saw him do the most slickest, quickest triangle, and I thought, that guy's ahead of the game. Because the footlock game is good and people just rolling, rolling and getting out of it and and it's it's sort of like People say it's boring. I don't think it's boring that we're in a sport that's so dynamic and and moving so well that if you say footlocks are boring, in a year's time, two years' time, people won't be doing footlocks and, it, and then something else will come. 
and nothing's really nothing's really mastering the game it's just oh i mean you your footlock escape's great i watched your match with ben yeah I, like, i'd never done i'd never really studied heel hooks properly before that and i just yeah. i'd literally i'll be honest i got away with just being really fucking bendy and yeah. then as I've managed to, I left that match and went, I really need to fucking, like, my straight footlocks are all right, but I really need to brush up on the rest of it because I am dog shit at the rest of that. But the thing is, that's the that's the problem with footlocks and wrist locks is some people have bendy feet and some people have bendy wrists. And, and for me, I've always liked triangle chokes and mm. strangles and chokes and stuff like that because I don't think it matters who you are you always get chokes out unless you've got like gills or, you know, but like you can always choke someone. You can always strangle someone. So it's yeah. a, it's a submission that I think will never go out of fashion. Well, I think, I think the next sort of trend wise, I've been saying this for a couple of years as footlocks become more dealt with, I guess is yeah. probably the easiest way of saying it as they become more dealt with, I think front headlocks and guillotines and darces and all that, they're going to sort of, push the way back in as becoming a much more common attack again. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the way it's just going to work. And then when that happens, it'll then flip around again and it'll go on to people attacking the back all the time. Yeah. Well, like that, um, is it Mason Fowler who trains with Gyalter? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trains with yeah, Kyle he's, like... he's, he's done Chael Sonnen's show a few times, hasn't he? Yeah, well, he... He's like he just went in with um, Craig Jones, and he's sprawl, sprawl, sprawl in the legs. Every time he went for the legs, he sprawl, 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 and he's just got horrible chokes. Yeah, fucking, you know. And and, and then I watched. Um, oh god, I'm so shit with names with the jujitsu. I watch him, but I never really think about the names. <laughs> um, oh, the guy from Danahar Death Squad, Gordon. Gordon Ryan's little brother. Oh, um, I think it's Nick, Nicky Ryan. Yeah. Well, I watched him fight the Asian guy who's good at footlocks as well. He will get pissed off with this because they'll be like, so disrespectful, you don't know names. But I j it's just a name I don't know. Uh, I knew. I, I, I remember. Imanari. Yeah. So, so he fought him, and that was the same thing. They're just. They're grabbing each other's foot, none of them can finish, and then all of a sudden, boom, triangle. And it's yeah. like, yeah, and I, I think people have to change their game a little bit. You know, you can fight and fight and fight and fight. You know, it's like having a sword fight, ding, 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 sword fight, sword fight. It's not working, it's not working. There you go, there's a gun. Yeah. And it's like someone needs to do something different, and I think we're at that point where people are knowing that. And it's exciting, man. It's fucking cool to watch and, like, you know, the footlocks will still catch people, but but they they're not they won't be as up there now. It would be like you can probably get a footlock, but if you don't, you got to have a backup. Yeah, I mean, say I tried to. Um, I was fuck. I I fought them at the British Open. I fought a lad that I'm sure he used to train with you. He said, Luke. Yeah, but his his feet are about as bendy as mine, and then like really yeah. fat as well. Like he's got massive yeah. ankles. And I thought, Mate. to be fair, I was I was fucking exhausted. I thought, I'm, I'm going to try and footlock him, and if this doesn't work, I'm fucked. He's just going to murder me. I sat back on his foot, put it on, and went, looks like I'm getting murdered then. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, back in the day, because I had a, a gym mad hatters in Kent, and um, 
like so I hadn't really coached much before then and I was a co- competitor so I was always competing mm. and I, I drilled them guys so hard and I used to beast them and I'd be like right we have to do this and I'll do so many repetitions and I'd it was just I'd smash them and I had, I had hardly any members I think I had I started off with like 30 I had 10 and then it went down to like five was that when I came out of train with you because that was yeah. that was about ten uh, no, years ago. Sorry. No, that was um, that was at Chich. This was in Kent. Right. Um, so even before. And it man. was, yeah. And I, them guys used to just get smashed. So like the main guys were Alec Connolly, me, Harry, Harry, just Asian just looking Harry. Harry. Um, good looking lad. He's a black belt now. Um, Danny. And Luke and them guys were just fuck me. Like they used to get some absolute cane in and now they're doing like so well. And it's not just because of that, but I think that base built them. And now they're at Colson Grace's Ashford. Yeah. And obviously there's some good training with them guys. They get a good bunch and, and they've sort of kept it up and kept that sort of ethos. And it's, it's wicked. Cause I just, I, I watch them now and I'm like, fuck me. They're dangerous. They are dangerous. <laughs> yeah, like I was, I sat back on that, like gave up on it. He sort of come up, and I thought, right, I'll get my guard back in a minute, and then yeah. I'll, and then I'll start doing something. And he just he just kept on me, and there was no, nah. I just it wasn't. It was really. I enjoyed it actually. He stood up and apologized to me for stalling. I'm like, I genuinely don't give a shit. <laughs> you've come yeah, to win you've taken a win just yeah just fucking hell don't apologise to me you've just beaten me <laughs> yeah but no it, yeah. It was, but yeah he was he's just his intensity was it was refreshing actually because I don't I don't train like that I if I'm being honest I don't like the exercise I just like the problem solving yeah that's it I, I, which is why I say all the time I'm I'm a better coach than I am a, a competitor because I just like problem solving. Yeah. It's as simple as that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think some people play chess and some people play like checkers, drafts. And like, I think, you know, you, you, the chess has more moves mm. and, and drafts don't. And with his, he can be a lot faster when there's less moves. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you can also undergo, I think a lot of coaches do, when they're competing. So I think Japanese have a thing called mushin, and it's just mindlessness. It's when you're just like, bah! and all the things that you've trained just come second nature. Yeah. Whereas coaches or problem solvers have this paralysis for analysis where they, they're in the moment. And when you're in the moment, there's parts of your brain that shut off, like, you know, your your adrenaline goes up. Yeah, so you yeah, yeah. all these techniques you got. So you can get paralysis for analysis where you're like, you try and do something and you're like, oh no, hang on, this isn't right, this isn't right, this isn't right. But you know, you you can't you can't think too much when you're in them moments. Um and that's 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 why sometimes someone's pace can feel very fast. Uh, because they're just constantly training. That's why you always need to keep your your fucking your finger on the pulse of jujitsu because yeah. You can have all the techniques in the world and, and people say, you know, you can be technical and win in jiu-jitsu, but you've always got to have that reaction, reaction, reaction. Otherwise, we become 
karate you know so like you're on the mats all the fucking time you know all the time on the mats doing stuff mm. and i think you need to be and i know that and people go yeah but you still coach and i'm like yeah but i'm not i'm not feeling i'm not feeling stuff you know i'm not like i'm not getting a push and creating a pull and i'm not you know and that that's what kind of that's what's nice about jiu-jitsu sharpening that reaction all the time yeah so. i i love cornering because i just i find it I find it fascinating that you just see things differently to when you're fighting. Yeah. And yeah, it's like um, it. I I used to read. I read a book called Mental Toughness in Sport, and it was given it to me by Robert Bollis. A uh, little name drop there. He's a. He was like the one of the best MMA coaches at Team Quest. You know, he coached some of the you know Chelsea on in all, all them guys, and he built a fucking amazing team. Um. But like he said to me, I'll read this book and I read it. And, and that was all about engaging in your performance self. Mm. And it was almost saying like, you're not, you know, when you're walking around and doing stuff and that's not your performance self. And you can almost come out and look at your performance self and you should, you should be able to like see your performance self and, and how he acts. And, and it was like, yeah, it was a good book. I'd recommend that, but. Send me that in a text. Yeah. I'll I'll put it in the description of this, but also I feel like I'd quite like to read that. Cause I, I spoke to a, a sports psychologist um, who likened, it basically likened your sporting ability and your training and your physical ability into what they call transactional analysis, which is like a, they call it like a parent adult child mode. So you're in different head spaces as you're doing different jobs. Yeah. Um. He, I won't go into it because we'll be here for another fucking hour. Um. But he sort of related the two to into how you communicate with yourself inside your own head, and and it's basically yeah. how not to panic in situations, how to stay in the moment and be able to compete how you're physically able yeah. to without, for lack of a better word, just getting distracted. There's a there's a really simple thing that I I always get my guys to do. Uh, and it's and it was it was told to me by a guy called Shane Burr. Uh, his partner was a sports psychologist. She done like sports coaching. So I want to give credit where it's due. But mm. it was um, he said to me, when you go to compete, he said you're in your head. You go over it a lot. So you go over it, over it. And he said and you'll run through different scenarios and your worries. You need to lessen your worries and increase your positive because. The worries ain't going to help you. And you can deal with them. Yeah. You deal with them in training physically. He said, so when you go through it mentally, because I used to, I used to always think um, when I was, whenever I used to fight um, anyone that was black, I'd find them really hard to hold down. Fucking really hard. And in training and, and whether it was my training partners or whether it's just the explosive ability, I'd always fucking be like, I just, and, and any, in the build up to any fights, I'd be like, I can't hold him down. I just can't hold him down. I can't hold him down. And so I used this mental game, which was anytime there was a negative, I would I would put up a stop sign, like a big stop sign. So I'd I'd have like a prop yeah. in my head, which was a stop sign. So I'd go through the fight, right? I get him down, and then he, oh he's getting up, he's getting up, and I'm like right stop sign, stop sign. So I see a big red stop sign, and then I reinforce it with every time I've ever held someone down and pinned them and been heavy on top. And they just be like, I can't get you off. I can't. Or every time I've had a fight and I've thought that I wouldn't be able to hold down, I can. 
and you reinforce every negative with a positive. And what happens is eventually the negatives dwindle because they're constantly being reinforced. So your mind will go, there's no point in having them thoughts because they've been reinforced with a positive. And it's like, it, it's really, it helps so much. And I pass it on to all my fighters and I say like, you know, this, this is a really good idea to do to sort of deal with them nerves. Because otherwise they're sitting at home going, well, that didn't end. This isn't going to end well, and they'll 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 focus on that so much in their mind that that'll probably happen. Yeah, I tend to fi- uh, I, I tend to find as well when I go into tournaments, I never look at who I'm fighting because I ca- I can't I don't see the point. I go in and plan and doing what I'm going to do. Um, yeah, it's only it, it's only as I've got up to black belt and there's a limited pool of people that are regularly competing that you know who you're going to come up against anyway. Um, yeah, and I'd say I, I've gone into them going. Oh, I'm actually really looking forward to fighting this person because I know that they're good at that and that. I'm like, well, so I prepare for that and then forget about any other potential fights I'm gonna have later down the line. Yeah, and and then go. Oh, actually, yeah, I've prepared for this one, but the rest of them I've not. I've let that slip. Yeah, yeah. That's. I think that, like the, the beauty of jujitsu is just train how you train. They train how they train. And then put it put it to each other. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't I don't see um. You don't see too many deers wondering like don't see you know wondering like oh what can I do to beat this tiger? They just get on with their life. Yeah, and if yeah. they can't run away from the tiger on that day, they get fucking it. It's a bit more harsh than our life, but like, I, you you just just be what you want to you know. If you like playing guard, but then you're rolling someone that's really good at passing guard, well then. You just got to play more guard, or just admit better, better at it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, like you're never. If someone's good at arm bars and you drill arm bar escapes, yeah, you ain't gonna drill as many arm bar escapes as they drilled arm bars. You know they've fucking done arm bars for their whole life. They're good at arm bars, and you're gonna go. You're gonna do, you know, three months of arm bar escapes and think that's adequate. You know, it's don't work. Don't work you, like that. You may as well just. You may as well be the one putting them in an armbar. You know I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you. You're right. Um. Well, so when's your next? What have you got going on at the minute? Obviously, there's not a huge amount. You're getting married in August. When are you next going um, to come so, up to a camp? Well, next week I've got Brighton Open. I've got a couple of guys. Well, a few of my people competing there. My 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 gym. So I've got <clears throat> Mad Hatters is like it's kind of growing you know it's it's um i've got students that open their own gyms and i just let them do their own thing yeah and that's the, you know that's the way ben and gordo is with us and that's where i'll be with them so so they're all competing in brighton and we've got quite a few of us out there doing that um yeah i'm getting married over in northern ireland in august 20th um I missed in the garden, but that is very stressful because she's like asking me if I've done loads of shit and I haven't. I, I get in there, I go, yeah, I'm doing that, and then I just get sidelined with something. So I need to prioritise that a little bit. Otherwise, yeah, I won't be going, won't be getting married. But and then after that, one of my students is getting married, and we're going to use it as our honeymoon. So that's in Italy. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So that's. That'll be that for a bit, so I'll be busy with that. And then when I come back, it'll be back back to normal. And what I'm gonna do is try and bring some guys up yeah. to the to the camp because um 
I wanted to come up and do a little recce myself and just just see how it is because then I can tell them how it is. You know, I don't they want to come up and be like, we can all crash on the mats and we can do this and we can, you know, and like, and I know the area kind of, but I weren't too sure how far it was into up north. And it's not, you know, it's not actually that much further. It's not, no. you know, the lakes is quite big. So people think, oh, it could be like Scotland, but it's not. Um, yeah, I mean, we're literally right, essentially right at the bottom part of the lake. So yeah. if you, I think we're like an hour north of Manchester. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that that that's good. You can fly into Manchester and get a train, or you know. If, well, that's it. But, um, I, I say to people, if that's what you do, let me know. I'll pick you up. I'll pick you up from train station. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that way you're not them you know, forking out for taxis and stuff. Yeah. So um. Yeah, I'll probably I'll, I'll bring some people up definitely, and and I always like the guys you got there. It's always good, and it's good just to come up. It's a good environment. There's a gym downstairs, so people can still do their fizz. But. Yeah, well, yeah. once I've pressed or once I've turned the record button off, I'll uh, I'll tell you who I'm speaking to about a couple of future camps. Um, yeah, there's there's a couple of good ones. We'll we'll see how they get, see how they pan out. But obviously, we've got Gordo and Fion in July. Yeah, I think they're both not far off being sold out. To be fair, My, I've got a group of girls who absolutely love Fion. Um, I actually got a group of guys that absolutely love her as well. But I've got okay, I've got a lot of girls that really love training with her. She done a, a a women's seminar, um, down the road for me, and it's so good for the women to have idols. Yeah, because it's a it's a sport that there's not a lot for it. And when you've got fucking hell, when you've got an idol like that, like she has done everything. And do you know that, that you she teaches very very well. Yeah, better than I thought yeah. she would. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I have to compliment her teaching because it, it was a lot better than I, than I expected of somebody that's doing so well competitively. Exactly. Yeah, because you think because how many times you have said, you trained with somebody that's like fantastic competitively <clears throat> and they just can't teach for toffee? And they go, "That's just what I do." And also, I think there's um there's a thing with teaching. Uh, and I, I, I always I self-criticize as you would self-criticize yeah. my own teaching. I look at ways, and then for a long time, um, there's a gap between what we know as black belts and what other people know. Yeah, mm. and it's not you know it's nothing to be you know you it's nothing to be proud about. There's there's just this gap of knowledge, and I think. Sometimes what, what we can do as higher coaches is we can start teaching there and their knowledge is there and this gap here makes them shut off. Yeah. Yeah. And and you teach and sometimes you look and you think nobody's understanding this at all. And I, I think it's important for us to to remember to go back there. Yeah. To make them think, oh, I actually do know something and then push them to there and teach them. Rather than start there and push them to there. Yeah. And I always, I always, I always remember when I, when I, whenever I've studied, I'm not academically that smart about many things, but I like to look into stuff. And I look, I was just like, what the fuck is quantum physics, right? And and I started looking into it, and I was there, and it was, well, way the fuck off the screen there before anything. Yeah. So I had to go back and learn maths and le- learn all this stuff again and learn, just so I could learn about a subject, you know, and it's. And I think that when you go and do stuff like that, you realise how 
how professional and how knowledgeable we are in the sport, but also how many of these earlier things we forgot. Like just tell him, you stand up, stand up. And no, you know, they roll forwards and get up on their front. You're like, no. And then you have to teach them a technical stand up. And then you move your hips out and they just move their hips and you go, no, you have to shrimp and you have to teach them, you know. And there's so many things that, that we just take for granted that we do. Yeah. And, and and as coaches, we, we do that. But as competitors, they don't need to why, why they do it. You know, they just, just have do to it. do it. I was, uh, you know. along that sort of lines, I was teaching a, uh, teaching a pass just off a, a pant grip. And then I realised as I was doing it, people are doing exactly what I'm telling them to do. Mm. But their partner is moving how I'm telling them to with no fucking idea why. So mm. I, I basically, I think I made the class run over another half an hour just to explain why the person on the bottom was doing what they were doing, which elicited the reaction I wanted from the person passing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it was at that point I sort of, I went well over and I just said, look, I'll do this in the advanced classes. We'll come back to it. I'll get you understanding mm. why I want that reaction. And then I'll teach you it all again. It was, yeah. uh, it, it, if I'm being brutally honest, it was a massive flaw on my part. And I went, yeah. yeah, that's not going to work. I need to build you up into that. It was, yeah, yeah, and and that's that's the beauty, you know. As a coach, you you can you we have like stuff we're going to teach. So I I always have um, a couple of things I'm going to teach, and then we go full circle back again, full circle back, <clears throat> and then that, it sort of spirals. So we touch the same thing, and we you have like you have five main positions, yeah. and you try yeah. and branch off them, and. I, and I always teach like that, but sometimes I teach a class and I'm like, actually, I have to change this because the the people that are there or or there'll be something they want to do or or they won't get something. And I'm like, the the little thing they don't get is actually a massive subject that I can just like really teach them a lot on. So yeah, it's good. I think things like that are good. I think that's that's the beauty of of being a some coaches are very like they have to follow the curriculum x y z and mm. and i've basically at the beginning of the year i write up what i'm going to cover all the way through the year from january yeah. through to december by the end of the year it's very very different well, yeah, yeah. i've either covered half of it or i've gone spent two extra weeks on that or i've flitted back yeah. and gone, oh no actually this they need it going in there and yeah. you know it, it's got to be fluid and i can't plan out a full year or, or even a month two months worth of classes because people respond differently sometimes people just get it really quick and i can move on yeah yeah so but then yeah sometimes and it's other times little... like people don't get it and you teach 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 and then you show that technique again and they go oh i've never seen that before and you like i taught it to you like three months ago yeah but because then they they're they didn't have the capacity to take it on board. They were just like doing what you was telling them. Do you and remember doing that yourself though? Yeah. All That's... the time. I, there was like things that just certain positions. And, and then later on, I was like, that works really well, but I'd like binned it off before. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I see, I've done it with loads of stuff and that sort of, I, I always have a little grin to myself as I'm doing it now. Cause I've, I've got one Brown belt that I'm like, he's like, I really want to look at this and do this. I, I, I showed you all that. I showed you all that six months ago, but yeah. now you seem like you're ready to learn it, so we'll do it again. Um, yeah. But he, he's, he's fucking funny because he, he just obsesses over what he wants to do. I'm like, 
Right, you want to do that, Matt, but first we've got to go back and I want you to do this. Yeah. In order to be able to then physically do that. Yeah. You want the cherry on top, but I need to build the bowl full of ice cream first. Yeah, that's it. But yeah. he's still just trying to juggle his cherries in the air. It's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> it's just just keen, just so keen. I, I, yeah. I can't knock it at all. Right, buddy, that's I'm going to leave good. you there because we've been going for an okay, hour man. and an hour and a bit. It's been a pleasure nice. talking to you. And you, mate. It's always good to chat. And uh, I'm sure we'll catch up soon. I'll, I'll I'll be down south again at some point. Maybe the end of this year. I'll let you know. I'll fly okay. in. Yeah. Try and um, try and do it. Yeah. I, well, I won't, I won't be working for a while. So try and do it um, at the time that I'm around. We'll, oh, yeah, um, yeah. we'll go and grab a drink, get some food and that. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. And, All right, mate. And I, and I will say before I turn the recording off, your gym is probably one of the friendliest gyms that I've been into. So anyone that's oh, down that way, go in, go train with you and your lads because it's it's a lot of fun down there. Lovely. Cheers, They're Sam. all a bit sort of southern and a bit too nice, but, you know, what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> right. Cheers, Jack. Mate, take Thank it you, easy. Mate. See you in a bit. Love that. Bye.